0: Thanks for listening to Victory's podcast today. Connecting people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus is what we're all about. For more resources or to reach out to us, go to victorychristian.church. Amen. All right, are you all ready for the Bible today? All right. I'm going to open up this morning with John chapter 7, verse 37. And it says this, On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Let's take a moment let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to come here today and to worship you. God, to lift up the name of our hero, our Savior, Jesus. You're worthy, we thank you for who you are. we honor you today, God, we thank you for your presence in the house of the Lord. we thank you for your presence in the house of in the homes of people watching online, those who are listening to podcasts Lord let your let your holy Spirit visit us as we open up your word. We want to hear from you today. we want to learn from you today. we thank you that we can trust your word today and Lord. Just speak. Our hearts are open. Thank you for your ability to speak to every individual right where they are. Lord, I thank you for the empowerment of your spirit, God. Let what's in your heart come through today. such a privilege to share your word, but God, may what's in your heart come through. It's in the mighty name of Jesus that I pray. Amen. I want to take you to a scripture in John chapter 7 today. And um, John is uh, it's just such a great gospel you know, of the four gospels, the gospel of John was written much later than the others and you know, when you write a book, a kind of a narrative or a history book if you will of what happened and taking an account many years later and after the first three gospels were written, John was able to say, "You know what? We've got three great, you know, uh, gospels out there that are being circulated. What can I write?" Uh, what is the Lord putting in my heart to write, specific? And it's very different than the other Gospels. Um, and it's kind of like when you you know if you you stand in a room and watch something happen, then somebody stands in a in a different corner and watches the same thing happen. It's the same story. It's just from a different perspective, maybe a different theme. And John just has some amazing themes. John is the the Gospel that has the most intimate look into the life of Jesus. Um, you, you feel very close to Jesus. In the book of John. And I want to open up in John chapter 7. So much of the book of John has to do with the fact that he's just about to go to the cross. Like when you look at it proportionally, some of the other gospels, like everything with the cross happens, you know, kind of at the end of those gospels, where with John, it's kind of like right there, or imminent or close, like for a good portion of the book. John chapter 7, we're going to drop in there. It says, after this, Jesus went around In Galilee. He did not go into the town of Judea because the Jewish leaders were looking for a way to kill him. So we're in a time where it's getting closer, right? They're already looking for a way to kill Jesus. But when the Jewish festival of tabernacles was near, Jesus' brothers said to him, Leave Galilee and go to Judea, so so that your disciples there may see the works you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you were doing these things, show yourself to the world. For even his own brothers did not believe him. Therefore, Jesus said to them, My time is not here, for you any time will do. So in this story, Jesus does not go with them in that moment to Jerusalem to the Feast of Tabernacles. And we're going we're gonna to revisit that in a moment, but I want to give you a little bit of context of what's going on here. You know, it, for, uh, In those days... Um, the Jewish folks had three what we call pilgrimage feasts. They were feasts where every Jewish family, especially the males, would pilgrimage or they would go to Jerusalem to celebrate the feast. It's kind of like planned vacation. But it's a spiritual vacation, like we're going to all hang out, we're going to have feasts, we're going we're gonna to party holy, and we're going to you know celebrate God, and each feast had its own themes and its own timing. There were three of those, and I want to go over them with you real briefly. They were the Passover feast, the Pentecostal, Pentecost feast, and the Tabernacle feast. And of course, this story in John chapter 7 drops us in at the Tabernacles feast, right? Now, every feast had these themes that went on. One theme was that it would coincide with some part of the harvest cycle. And so just, you know, just like uh, we have harvest festivals and fall festivals here, there was, a, there was a harvest festival, if you will, or cycle. There was a, there was a it all, every uh, one of these feasts coincided with some major event in their Old Testament history. And they would remember that and remember their history, remember their culture, remember what God has done. And the third thing with every one of these feasts is that there was a New Testament fulfillment for every single one of these. And I'll ask you the Sunday school question, who do you think is the fulfillment of the the New Testament fulfillment of every one of these feasts? (laughs) You guys are so smart, right? That was straightened down the middle for you. So the Passover one, those three feasts, again, all these three feasts, you would go to Jerusalem. The Passover one celebrated the initial grain harvest. It's, you know, uh, March, April time, right? Um, The Old Testament story that Passover coincides with is their deliverance from Egypt, right? The Passover lamb, their salvation and coming out of bondage and slavery in Egypt. And the New Testament fulfillment is Jesus, right? He is our Passover lamb. And of course, in our story in John chapter 7, Jesus hasn't become the Passover lamb yet because he hasn't gone to the cross, right? So the next story, uh, the next uh, feast, if you will, is, is Pentecost. Pentecost was just weeks after the first one, right? And so in the harvest cycle, it, it was the second or the latter harvest of the wheat harvest that they were celebrating. In the Old Testament, what they were celebrating in their history was the giving of the law on, uh, uh, that Moses gave on Mount Sinai and the New Testament fulfillment of Pentecost, Acts chapter two, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says, I will send you the Holy Spirit and we receive the Holy Spirit into our lives, right? So, and then tabernacles, tabernacles, Tabernacles was the one that happened in the fall. Actually, it would have been mid-October, so it's kind of coming up to that time of when they would have been uh, celebrating that time. And that was the harvest of the, of the tree and the vine. And they, they also call it the tabernacle of booze because with that harvest in particular, the harvest that came from the tree and the vine, you had to protect it. And so you'd build these little booze and you'd put them inside the booze and protect the harvest out there, Right. The Old Testament, uh, it was pointing to the time of wandering in the, in the wilderness and the, the booze that they had and that they would set up and they would move from land to, from place to, to place. And then in the New Testament, we believe that in the New Testament, the fulfillment is an end-time harvest prior to the coming of the Lord. And there's been many harvests, there's been many revivals, Yet we believe that there is still a harvest to come of many, 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 many people. And the opportunity for that is amazing. When you think of the number of people that are on the planet and what a harvest, a great harvest of believers could mean to the, the numbers in heaven, it's pretty staggering, isn't it? Wouldn't that be? It'd be really cool if we got to see that, amen? It'd also be cool to be in heaven rooting them on. I'll take either. Um, so G, in this story in John chapter 7, I, give you, I wanted to give you kind of like this idea because Three times a year, you were always going to Jerusalem, you were always celebrating, you were remembering the history, it connected to their, to their agricultural cycle, which they're an agricultural society, so it, it all makes sense. This is a regular thing, like going to Jerusalem is so normal for them, right? Like, Jesus, come on, let's go, but they're egging him on. They're like, Jesus, come on, we want you to show up. Come on, anybody who wants to be a public uh, uh, figure, come on, you need to show up and, and, and show yourself to the public, right? And the thing is, is things are heating up because the rulers already have it in their mind to kill him. And you know what I love about Jesus is he does not respond to the pressure of the people because he only does what he sees the father doing. He is getting his orders and the orders are not coming from the people around him, right? And so Jesus plays it cool, And he kind of acts like he's not even going, which would have been very wrong of Jesus. Like, normally you go to these feasts like everyone, every male especially is expected to go. But he goes, but he kind of goes incognito, doesn't really make a big deal of his presence, and, and he's just there. He doesn't really appear or take stage, if you will, until halfway through the festival, and then he begins teaching in the temple, and then everybody knows halfway in, it's about a week long, that Jesus is on the scene. and again. This is the Feast of Tabernacles. And while Jesus is the fulfillment of all these feasts, we have to recognize that the first thing that he needs to do in the fulfillment of these is he needs to become the Passover lamb. Well, it's October, right, for him. It's, you know, fall. And Passover's not till spring. So Jesus knows clearly even if you know, he's got that fullness of revelation that he's going to the cross by this point, he knows for sure that like, this is not the time, and now's not the time. So he's playing it cool and kind of laying low, right? And so it's not time for him to die. And while, while he's fulfilling Scripture, um, what the people want him to do rather than fulfill Scripture is they want him to fulfill their political desires in that moment. Because what was going on in that moment was, hey, you know, we're oppressed by the Roman government, um, our religious rulers. There's corruption there, and they're like, Jesus, you know, we want you to rule. Now, from a natural point of view, wouldn't that be a normal thing that you would want? It's like I love this guy. Let's give him a better position. <laughs> but what they're not, what they're not seeing is he already has the position of king of kings and lord of lords. Like you're actually trying to give him a demotion. Right? It's like ruling in Jerusalem, ruling in in Rome. No, no, no. How about the kingdoms of the world? Right? And Jesus is there and the rulers are there and Rome is there, but you see, that's just not how it works. And He's going to rule above all the kingdoms. And, you know, when we get the revelation of who he is, instead of trying to put him in a place, we try to find ourselves in him. We follow him, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and present ourselves to him. One of the rituals that happened in the Feast of Tabernacles was this water ritual. And, you know, there was a a lot of things that over the centuries... In these um, feasts, there were a lot of things that they would kind of add to them, and some of them, some things they would add were rules and laws, which was really not necessary. They had plenty; they didn't really need more. But the other thing they do—they would have rituals, and one of the rituals they had was this water ritual, and it's not found in scripture, but we know historically they always did it right? And what they would do is they would, uh, because it was fall, the water tables were low, their cisterns were low, and they, they would, there'd be a lot of just prayer for rain. God, we need rain, we need water, right? And so what happened is during this Feast of Tabernacles, because it was a low precipitation time, is that the priest would take water from one of the pools, the, the Pool of Siloam, and um, they would march it in procession up to the temple, and they would march it to the base of the altar and they would pour out the water at the base of the altar, and they would read from a couple scriptures, one of them being from Zechariah 14, and the other one being from Ezekiel 47. And what they'd do is they would read these scriptures, and these scriptures talked about how from from the, the foundations of God's throne, and from the foundations of the temple, water would flow from them, and of course they want water, right? And so they're, they're pouring out this water, they're praying these prayers, God, let water come out. Let, you, not, not literally from that, that place, but Lord, let you provide us water. And those scriptures talked about how that water would flow to all living things, and water is looked at as a source of life. And so this is something, again, Jesus has seen happen for every year of his life that he's gone to Jerusalem. It's like the normal thing. Like if you've got a festival or something that you go to, maybe uh, what's in Williamsburg uh, around Christmas time, the illumination, right? We go to the illumination and we watch the illumination. If you've ever seen that, it's like this is kind of the environment that's going on. Well, it's in the midst of this. They're in their regular feast, all of this backdrop going on. John chapter 7, verse 37 says this. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and he said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. For whoever believes in me, as scripture says, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the spirit whom Those who had believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. You know, in in the midst of all of the religious practice and everything that's going on, Jesus points to himself. I love this picture when you compare it to what had happened at the beginning of the chapter. Because he stands up in a loud voice, right? He says, if anyone is thirsty, come to me. Now the timing of that is just amazing, right? And he, he's, he's pointing to himself, he's saying, I am the fulfillment. I am the temple that you can... You can uh, tear down and rebuild in three days. I am the Passover lamb who takes away the sin of the world. I am the source of living water who's going to pour out the Holy Spirit. Jesus is showing up in that moment and saying, I am your source of life. I am the source of water. It's so ironic because the brothers had been putting so much pressure on him. You need to show up. But he goes far beyond even their political aspiration in that moment by saying, I am the source of life, and I am your source of water. It reminds me of the scripture of the, of the, the woman at the well, and the fact that that's found in the book of John is no, no um, mistake as well, where Jesus answers her, and he, you remember she's at the well, and he asks for water and that kind of thing, and and. Uh, he says, everyone who drinks of this water, he's talking about the water that he gives, will be thir- excuse me, the water that's in the well. Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Again, he's like, he's pointing to himself and he's pointing to this promise of receiving the Holy Spirit. Then later on in John chapter 14, he says, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you an advocate to help you and, you, and who will be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world can't accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, and he lives in you, And excuse me, he lives with you, and he will be, I love this, in you. And that is Jesus' promise to you that he will give you the Holy Spirit and that you can receive the Holy Spirit in your own life. I love how it, it, in this scripture, um, sometimes you know Jesus is just the fulfillment of the very thing written in the Old Testament. And this time with this water thing, he's hijacking their tradition in the midst of the Old Testament um, feast that they're giving, right? And he's saying, listen, you're looking for water. And he's like, I'm your source of water. Later on, he would say, I am the light of the world. They had a light festival, a light thing going on at night where they would have these lights and things like that. He says, I am the light of the world. He keeps pointing to himself as the fulfillment, as the one that we need. It's, it's, sometimes it seems so oversimplified, but I really love that about God. You need Jesus. We need to know who Jesus is. We need to know what Jesus has done. We need to follow Jesus. We need to receive what Jesus you know pours out upon us. And the fact is, He has poured out His Holy Spirit on you and on me. And the implications of that are really cool because you have the in John chapter three again the same book. Jesus is sitting with Nicodemus and He says, "You must be born again." Right. He said, well, you mean born again? Well, you need to be born of the Spirit. And so, you know, when we receive Jesus into our lives, that is the first moment where the Holy Spirit comes into your life, where you start a brand new life by saying, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I want to follow you. I want to put my life in your hands. And in that moment, when we turn our life over into his hands, we have a new life that begins. It says in Scripture in, in Corinthians that we're a new creation. And God pours out his Spirit upon us, and we have the Holy Spirit in us. What's really beautiful is that it continues in Scripture. And there's this baptism of the Holy Spirit as well, where you can receive this baptism of, this holy, of the Holy Spirit, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, where the, the, um, the gifts of the Spirit become alive in your life, where oftentimes people receive a prayer language where they can pray in a, in a language that they don't know in their head, but they know in their gut, if you will. And it's allowing the Holy Spirit to just work in you and work through you in prayer. It says when you don't know what to pray, pray the Holy Spirit will give you what to pray. It's a really beautiful thing. Oral Roberts said about 1 Corinthians 14, he said he would pray in the spirit and he would pray with understanding. And when he would walk around the property of of ORU before he built it. And I love that picture because there's times when you don't know what to pray and you can say, God, let me have this gift of tongues, of a heavenly language, and just be able to pray what's in your heart. And what's cool is that you can Pray what's in, in God, what, what's in your heart and the burden, and the Holy Spirit will give you what to pray. And I have found that many times I'll pray in the Spirit, and then I'll say, God, now let me pray in English what you're putting. It's like a, a prophetic revelation of the things that God is having you pray. Have you ever had those things in your life where it's like, I know I need to pray, I know how I would do it, but I don't know how God's going to do this, and I just need to pray, Right? You ever have those prayers where you are praying and God just gives you a way to pray that you weren't anticipating? That, honestly, is kind of how the gift of tongues works. It's just like you're praying in the Spirit and worshiping the Spirit, and it, it does. it's not a trance. It's not like you fall into some trance and you have no control. You always can just stop. You can always... It's more of a cooperation and allowing the Holy Spirit to just put it inside of you. What's really weird for somebody who's an analytic like me is it doesn't start here It starts here. I say weird. I don't mean creepy weird. I mean different weird, right? Is it starts here. And what's also beautiful about this outpouring of the Holy Spirit is that you see in the book of Acts, you see the same group of people or subgroup of people time and time and time again, the Holy Spirit is poured out on the same group of people over and over and over. And what, what's wonderful is that when Jesus left his disciples and a lot of John is 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 Jesus preparing his disciples for his departure and he says, "Listen, I'm not going to leave you alone." Can you imagine if you got to be Jesus's follower? You have him for 3 years, right? He's your your pastor, he's your teacher, he's your, you know, your counselor, he's your he's your, it's like you got Jesus right there. How many of y'all would like that life, right? Like gee, Well, you do. I just bait and switched you. You do, because he said, I will send you the Holy Spirit who will remind you of everything that I have said. And you see, the Holy Spirit makes your relationship with Jesus alive and living and right there for you. This, today, we're going to close a little differently, and what I want to do is just take a moment and... Uh, we're going to enter back into one of our worship songs for a few moments and just say, Lord, pour out your Spirit. If you're watching online, all you have to do is just you know, close your eyes, put your your heart and your mind on Jesus, and you know what? He's just going to visit you in your home right there. Maybe you're here today and you're feeling a little dry. You're feeling like, you know, I, I need a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. While we're worshiping today, you can come up into the front and someone will pray with you, lay hands on you. But we're just going to all worship the Lord. Maybe you're here today and maybe you've never um, received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Or maybe you've said, God, I want to have a prayer language, but I want it to be you. And you just want somebody to pray and agree with you. What's beautiful is that all you have to do is say, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. And Jesus says, He says, "Listen, if someone asks for, for bread, I'm not going to give them a stone, right? So is your, your Father in heaven. He's going to get he, he wants you to have the Holy Spirit in your life. If you're a believer in Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. And we just pray for His outpouring over and over, his filling over and over again, because Jesus has done a lot, given up his life raised from the dead, sits at the right hand of the Father, and he says, now I'm going to pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Such a wonderful gift, and I can promise you, the gift is for you. The only requirement for the gift is trusting and believing upon Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you say, you know, I believe in God, but I've never actually turned my life over to Jesus and said, 'I I want you to be my God. Like all in, no other God's, I'm not in control of my own life. I'm going to put my life into your hands. I just wanted to tell you today that you can cry out to God. He will save your life today. He will fill you with his spirit today. He will give you a new life today because he loves you and he cares about you so much. And if that's you today, I just want to encourage you just cry out to him right where you are and just say, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive my sins. I believe and I trust in you and he's going to touch your life. If you're doing that here today, I want to know about it. If you're doing that and you're online today, would you go to the website victorychristian.church and click on next steps um, because we want to know about it. We, we want to be able to rejoice with you because walking with Jesus is not something you do alone. Would you stand with me today? If you're at home and you're in your jammy, jammy jams today, you can stay just how you are. Holy Spirit can fill you, right? But you might feel like you need to hop up on your feet well, we're going to enter into worship. If you want somebody to pray with you and you're in the in-person service, um, you can come up here. We're going to sing for a few moments and then in a mo- then we'll close um, the online service. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to connect with us or if you'd like to know how you can give, go to victorychristian.church. Have a great day.